Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And with the direction, I'll give you power to do it. Because sometimes God gives us direction and we look and say, I don't have the power to do that. God knows already. He knows you can't. He knows you and me can't be what he wants us to be in our own strength. But that's why he fills us with the Holy Spirit. Because now God says, it's not, it's not your strength. You're not doing it in your own strength. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it through you as you just yield to me. And the energy is not yours. It's not like you're working really, really hard. God's, it's his power giving direction and power to do what he wants. That's what it means when God says, be filled with the Spirit. The Bible gives Christians a blueprint for how to live their life. Love the Lord and your neighbors. But it doesn't provide the specifics, like what job to have or what's acceptable to do during your downtime. In today's lesson with Pastor Bill, he offers three steps to follow that will indicate the Lord's blessing when making choices. But first, you must be living a life submitted to God, not according to your desires. Once you are following the Lord, check for passion, peace, and an open door. When all the boxes are checked, proceed. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 as he continues his message, Walk in Wisdom. Something God does when we give our lives to him and the Holy Spirit moves on the inside, God gives us new desires. And so many of you have experienced this when you weren't saved, you had certain desires that after you got saved, you don't have anymore. Maybe you used to want to be this or you used to want to be that or you used to think this would be really cool. And then you walk with the Lord for a while and your desires kind of change. You know, when I wasn't saved, I thought it would be, I thought marriage was stupid. You know, I looked at people getting married. I'm like, that's dumb. Like, I would never do it. I was, I was never going to get married. That's, that was my, anybody here, the guys that know me when I wasn't saved, I was never getting married to nobody ever, never, for sure. <laughs> I got saved and in very short order, it was like, okay, this is how that works and I need to get married. I need to marry now. I, I, I met my wife two months after I got saved. She was talking about a three-year plan. I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, you got a little less than a year to plan you a wedding. We're going to do this thing. So that's what we did. So your desires change. So here go a couple, a few verses. Philippians 2.13, right? Paul says in Philippians chapter 2.13 that it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God works in you to want to do the right thing and then to be able to do it. God does it, though. It's not something you muster up. As you give yourself to God, God's like, now I'm giving you new desires. You have a hunger for the word of God. You didn't have that before. You want to serve in the church. You didn't want to do that before. You want to lead people to me. You didn't want to do that before. God said, I give you new desires, and then I give you the power to bring them to pass. I never wanted to be a pastor until I got saved. And after I walked with the Lord for a while, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.1, he who desires the position of an office of a bishop or pastor, he desires a good work. And then he tells him how he needs to live if that's what God's called him to do. But God said, that desire, you don't make that up. I wouldn't pick this. But God called you to it. It's like, man, this is what I desire. I don't desire anything else but this. He said the last one in Psalm 37.4, he says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. God said, if you make me your delight, I will give you the desire. I will, God will, it's twofold. He'll literally give you desires and then he'll give you the desires of your heart as you delight in him. And I want you to know that each of these things, that's not really your energy. He's doing as you're just yielding. God's the one inputting desires in your heart. And then God, I want that. And that probably affects your prayer life. And you're asking God to do things that you, you, you weren't asking for before. 
and then God starts to do his work in your life. And so our desires, God impacts that as you yield to him. The third way that God reveals his will to us is through peace. He gives us peace about things. And so over in Colossians chapter three, verse 15, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts in which also you were called to one body and be thankful. He said, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule is like a referee. God said, let, let my peace you know, rule. Referee calling something out or in, you know, safe, not safe. You know, so that's the, the peace of God will let you know that. No, that's not me. Yes, that is me. It'll, it'll, guide, it'll guard you. It'll guide your heart. In Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, Paul says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer, supplication and thanksgiving to let your requests be made known to God. He says, in the peace of God, which give it to me, peace of God, which passes all understanding. Yes. Will guard your hearts with your, your emotions and your mind through Christ Jesus. And so some of us fail because we're very emotional. We get all in our emotions, and our feelings, and we make emotional decisions. And some of y'all are intellects and you be overthinking stuff, staying up late at night, waking up early in the morning, thinking about it 10 more times, flipping it over like a pancake, you know. And God says, I'll protect you from both of those issues. If you're emotional, if you'll pray, don't be anxious. I'll guard your emotions. If you think too much, I'll guard your intellect. I'll guard all the weaknesses that you have if you just give it to me in prayer and don't be in a rush. Don't be anxious. And he says, I'll guard it by giving you peace. And so God says, I give you peace about things, right? You don't have to be all uncertain and unsure. God says, it's a peace that God gives you. And then the last way, fourth way, and final way is through open and shut doors. God told the church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 7 that he's the one that holds the keys of David, that he opens doors and no one can shut them. And he shuts doors and no man can open them. And so God guides us also by opening and shut doors. And this our awareness that God is the one that's opening and shutting doors will deliver us from tripping. It'll deliver you. It'll, it'll keep you from behaving like you weird, right? Because if I believe that you're in charge of opening and shutting doors, then I might be tempted to behave in such a way to get you to open a door. I might brown, you know, in the world they say, you know, people brown nose and they're just, you know, just, just trying really hard to get favor with the boss so they give me what I want because I think you're in charge of opening the doors, if you shut a door on me, I'm mad at you. I hate you. You know, you shut the door on me because you don't like me because this thing or that thing, you know, whatever. And if I understand this, that it's God's hand on the door, then I never have to trip off of you because you can't keep me from anything God's given me. Amen. And if God's not giving it to me, I can't kick the door down because he opens doors that no man shuts Amen. and he shuts doors that no man can open. So all I got to do is be looking to him. I can love you no matter what the case I can love you with the open door. I can love you with the shut door because you're not in charge of my life. Amen. God is sovereign over me. and He's sovereign over you. Amen? Amen? That'll free us up from acting weird with people, getting mad at the wrong people, being nice, being, being beyond nice, doing, doing silly things, you know, trying to gain favor. You can just be normal. I'm going to just do what I do as unto the Lord. If God have it for me, I'm going to get it. Amen. And then I don't have to be insecure. Whatever I have, I don't have to hold it tightly. If, if it's mine, it's mine. And if it can be taken away, then that's God's too. You know, God is in charge of every aspect of our lives. I just think that frees us up. And so here's the thing. If you take those things, take number one on the list, a life submitted to God. You need that to start with. That's the foundation for this to work. If your life ain't submitted to God, forget all the rest of this. You take a life submitted to God, if you can line up the other three things, you know, you got desire, peace, and open door. You can line all that up. I think you can move forward with a certain amount of confidence. You know, if I'm looking at a certain thing and I'm thinking, God, I, I want to know if this is you and I, I have peace about it. I, I've been praying. I got peace. 
I, I really desire it. I really, this is what's on my heart. I really hope that you open this door. And the, the door is open. I think I can move forward with some confidence. But let's say you have peace in your heart and you got desire, but the door is not open. Can you go? No, you can't get this. God, God, if you don't open the door, I can't go. Here's the more challenging one. I got an open door and I got a desire. But I don't really have peace. My heart's not fully at peace with this. Do you move forward? No, you wait. I don't have peace about this. And so you said you will referee my heart with the peace of God that passes understanding. So I'm waiting on that. I'm waiting on that. I want peace and a desire. Let's say I got peace and open door, but I don't even really want that. God, you said you'd give me the desires in my heart. And so if me not wanting this is me, then show me. Change my heart. But if I can line up those three things, desire, peace, and open door, I think I can move forward with some amount of confidence. Amen? And so again, he says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Everybody here, it's, we do want to spend time focusing on and learning from God. What's your will for my life? God has a will for everybody here. And we want to get in line with that so we don't waste our lives, that we're actually redeeming the times. And so moving on now, look at verse 18. He says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. So he gives us another contrast here on the contrast between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so let me explain the similarities. If somebody's drunk or under the influence of alcohol, they think in ways that they don't normally think, right? Some of y'all know. Some of y'all can say, hey, man, y'all know. You think things you don't normally think, you know. You might do things you wouldn't normally do. Some people under the influence of alcohol feel like they have strength that they don't normally have. You know, they may not actually have it, but they feel like they do. And so God said, look, don't be drunk with wine where in which is dissipation. And I'll explain what that is. He said, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So first, because I know this is a challenge for some folks. So I want to explain it. The Bible doesn't forbid us from drinking alcohol, right? The Bible forbids us from being drunk. So at what point is a person drunk? When is drunk? At the point at which you feel different, you're drunk. At the point at which you're under the influence of alcohol, you because some people are like, well, I'm not sloppy drunk. Some people think they gotta be sloppy, fall on the floor, just move <laughs> here. You don't have to be that drunk. At the point at which, you know. Alcohol is now I feel different because alcohol is in my you're under its influence and you're going to think different and behave different and make different kind of decisions. And so God says, don't do that. Don't be drunk with wine. Now, some of you guys know my testimony. I used to be an alcoholic as the T-shirt I told you about earlier. show. you know, I used to be my everyday thing. And so when I got saved, that was something that the Lord really set me free from. And so for me, this is my strong conviction my guarantee against never being an alcoholic again, against never being in bondage to alcohol again, is what? Don't touch it. That's the only guarantee I have. Uh, I can't play with it. You know, I can't say, well, you know, it's not a sin if I have a drink. Because I ain't never had a drink in my life. <laughs> never. I never just had a drink. You know, from the first time, if I drank and I didn't get drunk, I was not happy about it. That was the goal was drunkenness, you know. So for me, I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord delivered me and I don't want to mess with it. I think there's wisdom in that. I used to smoke cigarettes. What's my guarantee against never smoking, getting, getting hooked on Newports again? Don't smoke one. So here's some things about alcohol. I want you to write these verses down. If this is a struggle for you, right? We're not, we're never here to condemn or put people down, but we do want to point things out. If it's a struggle or a battle, there are people here that are here to minister to you in this. And so, but I do want you to know if this is, if you get drunk, that's wrong. Because you can't be filled with alcohol and filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. 
And God doesn't want you filled with that. He wants you filled with his spirit. So I just want to give you some things about alcohol that we should be aware of. I'm going to read you Proverbs 23, verses 29 to 35. It says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Keep visine in your pocket or your purse. That's you. <laughs> those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly, and, the, and at last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies on top of a mast. That's just right before you throw up. They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When I shall awake, that I'm, when shall I awake that I may seek another drink? And so there we see in Proverbs, at least the excess, at least to thinking wrong thoughts, thinking perverse things to, you know, just feeling like you're on a mass of a sea, just drunk, swirling around like God says, I didn't call you to that. That's not what I want to do with your life. That's not what I put you here for. We know that alcohol can bring you under its power. Another reason why we don't mess with it. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 12, Paul says, all things are lawful for me. But not all things are beneficial or helpful. All things are lawful. I can do it if I want to, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. And so not wanting to be under the power of something like alcohol, of anything, especially as a believer, it can offend other people. Right. Another reason why for me, I abstain. I realize that I'm an example to a lot of people. I know for a fact there are people that if they saw me drinking, they're like, if he could have one. I could have four. He's the pastor. You know, my life is an example and I got to be mindful of that. It, it matters what I do. Even if it's not you guys, my son watches everything I do. You know, my son, 13 years old, he got energy. I could bottle it up and sell it. And he'd be like, dad, I want a cup of coffee. What you want coffee for? Because I drink coffee. You want coffee? Because I have coffee. I drink sparkling waters. He wants a sparkling water. Why do you want a sparkling water? Because I drink a sparkling water. So if I had a beer, I'm guarantee you in his heart, he'll want a beer too. Right. That's what that's what dad does. So I'm one day I'm going to be a man like dad. I want to do what dad does. So be careful, parents. So you can stumble other people. Romans 14, verse 13. If you're writing notes, it says Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. And so some things we do just I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that I, I'm a witness. I'm an example. I don't want to stumble other people in my lifestyle. It could hurt my testimony as a believer. First Corinthians 10, 31. And then lastly, if it's something I can't do in faith, Romans 14, 23 says anything's not a faith is sin. And if I can't say the Holy Spirit is leading me to do this, I can do this in full faith. Then it's sin. And I, I ain't never been led by the Lord to, to, <laughs> to, have, to have a drink. You know, I never felt like, man, the Lord's just really been on me. Like he's really been leading me. <laughs> I was walking through 7-Eleven and the Holy Spirit was like, Bill, go there. I've never, it's never happened. So anything's not a faith is sin. So anyway, back to Ephesians 5. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine where it is, and where is dissipation. That word dissipation, it means wasteful, squandering away of resources. That's what drunkenness is. It's you're squandering away. You're squandering your time, your energy, and all the other things that drunk people give away. You're, it's like it's wasteful, squandering your resources. Whereas it's waste. There's dissipation. Don't be drunk. He says, instead, I want you to be filled with the spirit. And I believe this is so important for everybody here that we would we would take this in. First of all, the word filled. God says, I want you to be filled with 
the spirit. You can't be filled with alcohol and filled with the spirit. So don't do that. But now that we're not drinking alcohol, God says, now would you would you take a look at this? What I want to do in your life. I want you to be filled with the spirit. And I think Satan is a he does a great job at making stuff that God wants to do look stupid. For a lot of people, different church scenarios, you talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and it means weird stuff. For some people, feel filled the Holy Spirit is it's accomplished by a certain cadence on the piano. Thump, 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 and everybody starts jumping and going. It's like you, the Holy Spirit don't need your music. He don't need an instrument. He don't need anybody doing a certain cadence. He don't need you running laps. That's not you can't drum up the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, no less. God, the third person of the Trinity, he is God, deity, lives in you. He said, I want to fill you. And here's the here's the word picture. The word filled, it means to make full or to fill up. But it, it, it's a nautical, it's a boating term. And so just take this mind picture. If you think of a, a, a sailboat that in order for it to go, it needs the wind has to fill the sail. And the wind that fills the sail gives it both power and direction. So the sailboat, what does the sail do? The sail yields itself to the wind. The wind does everything else. It gives direction and it gives power. And God says, that's what I want to do for you. As you would yield yourself to me, I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. I will give you direction. And with the direction, I'll give you power to do it. Because sometimes God gives us direction. We look and say, I don't have the power to do that. God knows already. He knows you can't. He knows you and me can't be what he wants us to be in our own strength. But that's why he fills us with the Holy Spirit. Because now God says, it's not, it's not your strength. You're not doing it in your own strength. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it through you as you just yield to me. And the energy is not yours. It's not like you're working really, really hard. God's, it's his power giving direction and power to do what he wants. That's what it means when God says, be filled with the spirit. And look at the tenses here. It's be, being filled. It's a continual thing. It's something we pray for. That's why we pray multiple times. You don't pray to get filled with the Holy Spirit one time. It's not a one day event. You wake up every day and say, Lord, fill me today anew and afresh. I wake up Sunday morning, God, fill me with your spirit today. There are things before me to do today that I can't do without you. Would you fill me today for today? And tomorrow, pray the same prayer. God, fill me today. I don't, whatever's coming today, I, I can't do it without you. Fill me. And when I'm praying, fill me, I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging that I'm going to yield. You can't pray, fill me, and then go live in rebellion and disobedience. When you say, fill me with the spirit, you're saying, God, I'm going to submit to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let myself just be where you put it. I'm going to just do what you want me to do and let the Lord direct you. And you'll find as you live that way that there's power that you didn't have. There's power that's not your power. And there's direction that you're able to go. You're able to go further and do more than you ever could do in you as you just yield to the Lord. And so God says, don't be drunk with wine. We're in this dissipation, but be being continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us what it will look like. We get three things, right? What? Me being filled with the Holy Spirit, what will come out of my life? What are the three areas that are going to be impacted? And that's, there's three things. Verse 19 is going to affect how we speak to each other. And verse 20 is going to affect, it's going to affect how we speak to the Lord. And in verse 21, it's going to affect how we treat one another, how we behave towards each other. And so first, verse 19, he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so... God says one of the evidences or the, the fruits or the results of you being filled with the Spirit is going to affect what's coming out of your mouth. The Bible says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you complain all the time, what does that say about your heart? 
You, you figure that out, right? <laughs> if, you, if you just go, we walk around, it's just bitter. You look like Eeyore, just kicking cans all the This says that something's, something's wrong. Something's not right. You're not walking in the fullness of the spirit. Um, being filled with the spirit is not fake. It doesn't mean that bad things aren't happening. It doesn't mean that I'm not acknowledging the difficult things around me. Paul and Silas were in prison, right? And what did they do from prison? They, they praised God. They were, they were worshiping. Why were they doing that? Right? That's what was coming out of their hearts. Now, if, you know, some of us, you put us in prison. I'm proud of God. I was doing what you told me to do. And they got me anyway. And I asked that you get me out. You didn't get me out. I don't even know what's going on. And you be in there complaining and, and everything else that, that you have, you have had a leak. And you need to ask the Lord to fill you anew and afresh. I just want you to catch that. They in prison for doing what God said do. And they're in there praising God. Paul wrote this letter. Where did he write this letter from? Prison. For doing what God said do. And he's writing a letter to help us out. Why he locked up. Some of us, if you got a chance to write you a letter for being locked up, I wonder what it would sound like. Where's God at? I don't even know what I believe anymore. You know, y'all, y'all didn't come to visit me and nothing. It is just, what, what's coming out of us, right? And we're talking about the Lord and we're talking to songs and hymns and spiritual songs and we're singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. And so know that that's a choice, right? Know that you can, you can, you can put your heart in a place where it's, I'm going to worship God today. It affects how we speak to one another. Verse 20, how we speak to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I'm saying to God, thank him for thank him always for all things. And again, I'll just point you to the cross. There's much more than the cross we can thank God about. But if you if you're struggling to come up with a long list, then you thank him for that. That's what you can always thank him for. Thanking God always for all things um, to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it should affect how we treat one another. So last verse 21, it says submitting to one another in the fear of God. And there's, a, there's an attitude here, right? If I'm walking in the fullness of the spirit, God says that the way we treat, we should submit to one another in the fear of God. When we come together, we're not, you know, you remove the Lord from an environment and you can have people jockeying for position, trying to beat each other out, want to look better than everybody, competing with one another. God says, look, we're all on the same team. And none of us are going to be the big deal. I say it all the time. When we gather in this place, who's the big deal? Jesus. Jesus. I'm not the big deal. Right. Never going to be. Jesus is the big deal. And if we work together with that in mind, then we submit to one another in the fear of God. We humble ourselves to one another. We're not fighting. We're not beating. We're not competing. We're just we're, we're just laying our lives down to, to serve each other and honor God among ourselves. God says submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's an evidence. That's a fruit that you're walking in the fullness of the spirit. When you get a bunch of people and they're fighting with one another and they're bickering and they're, you know, I don't, you know, everybody wants their way and they argue back and forth. There's, this, was, this was evidence in that. There's, there's not the, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the flesh. That's people in the flesh doing what people in the flesh do. Pride, arguing, contentions, jealousies, outbursts, wrath, blah, blah, blah. You get some people filled with the Holy Spirit and you throw them in the same place and let them work together. And this one will yield to that. All right, you got that today. Is this one that you'll that you just and you'll find that there's there's sweet unity as we do that, and so you can look at these things and say, man, am I am I walking in the fullness of the Spirit or not? And if not, again, God never points out your flaws to let you fester in it. God points it out so you can repent. He'll for, if you need to repent today and be forgiven, the blood of Christ is able to forgive you and cleanse you of all your sins. And if you say, man, I like power, I know I need to live this way, but I'm not. I've not been able to achieve it. And maybe you've been trying to do it in your own strength. 
And maybe today for you is a day where you would say, you know what? I'm not going to try to do this in my own strength anymore. I'm going to yield to the Lord. I'm going to ask the Lord to do for me what I can't do for myself. I'm going to ask him to fill me with his Holy Spirit. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of Ephesians is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the teachings tab or feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we study through the book of Ephesians, has it caused you to think about your relationship with the people around you? Do you love them as Jesus does? Do you treat them as Jesus would? Do you seek to cause strife or do you seek to honor the Lord in your relationships? Paul valued unity just as the Lord does. If this is something you wrestle with, you're not alone. And although that may be comforting, it's also important that you strive to live in harmony with those around you. As we continue through this study together, we're praying for you. Would you also be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your prayers, and thanks for tuning into to today's edition of A Transforming Word.